Well, I was a fanatic. There's no doubt a fanatic. My goal was to get carried out of the wrestling room because of exhaustion, and it never happened. The thing it did for me every day about 6 o'clock is that when I got out, I looked back in, and there was nobody else there. Bottom line was I didn't reach my goal. So guess what happened? I went back in the room again. But I got some quality time because of just some kind of a fanatic goal. Today's guest is Mark Bam Bam Pistelnik. Bam was a former high school state champion, wrestled at UNI, and went on to be a U.S. Open champion in Greco-Roman, and represented the United States team at the Pan American Games. He's also one of the most respected coaching figures in Iowa and Illinois, and now serves as athletic director at his alma mater. So this is a fun episode because I grew up near Bam. He was a, you know, a legendary figure and someone I looked up to my whole life, so it was really cool to sit down with him, kind of pull the curtains back and, and get a sense for how he thinks about competition, how he thinks about pressure and doing the right things, and, and ultimately how the sport impacted his life. So I really hope you all enjoy this one. For past episodes, please visit WrestlingChangeMyLife.org. One of the most downloaded episodes we have thus far is Dan Knight and Nate Gallagher's right up there as well. So check those out. And if you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe. Give us a rating on iTunes. It would mean the world to us. So sit back and enjoy this episode with Mark Bam Pastelnik. We're live on the podcast with Bam Pastelnik. Bam, how are you doing today? Good, Ryan. Thanks. Anytime. We're happy to have you on. Obviously, we know each other from uh, from years of, of wrestling uh, in the Quad Cities, and you know, I'm just excited to have you on. So I wanted to start with just kind of how you got in the sport. Um, obviously, the theme of this podcast is you know, wrestling changed my life, and reason being is that anyone who wrestled can agree that it had some impact on their life, but you had a, an extraordinary amount of success in your early days. So maybe just walk us through you know, how did you get involved with wrestling, and, and what was it like for you early on? Okay, yeah, I started um, at the end of my third grade year. Um, one of my dad's best friends was Bert Hanlon, who was the high school wrestling coach at the time. And um, he got me involved in it. I started wrestling with the, the East Wayne Wrestling Club with Bert Hanlon and Larry Duffy. And it just kind of took off from there. Um, it wasn't easy right off the bat. I lost, you know, right off the, you know, the, the first few matches, obviously. But uh, I just, you know, got better and better as the years went on. And you... Uh... You ultimately won, you know, a number of, of state titles in the middle school ranks, and you were coming in, yeah, I, w- I would imagine as really a highly touted freshman. But because you were undersized, you had to, you, you had to sit out for your first two years. Well, I mean, what was that experience like? Was that a tough thing to go through? Or did you kind of expect it coming in and and knowing that you were going to be undersized? Uh, a little of both, you know. Like you said, I, you know, I had some success in the elementary schools. I, you know, won the states in sixth, seventh, and eighth grade, and then came in freshman. And we had a good kid, Chris T. Meyer, who uh, ended up getting fourth in the state that year. So, so I knew I wasn't going to uh, to beat him. I was only weighing about seventy pounds at the time, so I was very, very small. Um, and then my sophomore year, <clears throat> I struggled a little bit, and it was tough. But I just kept working, kept training knowing my time would come and and then the following year as a junior is the year I won state then. Yeah, you went 42 and 0 and and actually beat a guy in the finals who was the junior national champ uh that or the summer prior which it would be the equivalent of winning Fargo now. Um so going into that match obviously he had a lot of pressure on him to win. Do you remember what 
you were thinking at going into those big matches and how you stayed calm and were able to perform under the, uh, under the pressure, so to speak? Um, well, back then I listened to the Rocky soundtrack a lot. <laughs> um, that's what kept me, that's what, yeah, that's what kept me relaxed. Um, I had a good, I had a really good coaching staff. Um, my assistant Todd Rosenthal, um, was always there for me and we, we kept it pretty loose, him and I, and, uh, we trained together year round. So he kind of knew, you know, how to get me in the right mindset. And, and I actually went into that match, um, not too worried about anything. Wow. So Rosenthal was at UT back in those days. I didn't know that. Yes, he was my coach my freshman, sophomore, and junior year. And then uh, my senior year is when he went to Moline. I still blame him nope. as to why I got second that year. <laughs> That's funny. Um, well, he was, a, for folks who don't know, a legendary coach, a fellow Hall of Famer in his own right, um, led Moline to a, to a team state title. Um, but, okay, so he was your coach. Wow. Okay, so going into that, that state title year or the state finals your junior year, you, know, you were you were fairly loose just because again you weren't you, know, you probably weren't the guy seated number one to win it even though you had won you know a number of events um, yourself okay right and yeah, then, I, wasn't, so, uh, I wasn't expected to okay and then kind of just overall you know when you think about obviously the, the physical part of wrestling the technique the drilling the, the live wrestling um, you did that as much as anyone um, but how did you how did you think about like, the mental side of things and even maybe in your coaching days, how were you able to, uh, to get folks to just relax and, and maybe rely on their training? Did you have anything in particular that you use on the mental side of things? Um, nothing in particular, you know, probably the toughest aspect of any wrestler or coach is getting the, um, you know, getting the, getting the mindset, you know, in the right frame of mind. Um, you can't succeed if, if you, you know, if you if you doubt yourself, and and I struggled with that a little bit in college, um, you know, just being mentally tough and 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 not worrying about it. I look at Penn State right now and the way they wrestle. Their kids wrestle so relaxed. Um, it's not the end of the world that they lose. You know, Kyle Snyder. You know, wrestling doesn't define him. You know that awesome you know uh, interview they had with him after getting second in the world. Um, those are the people that have to have that mindset. They have to be able to go in realizing it's just a match. You know, and it's not going to define who you are. And trying to get the kids to believe that, that it's just practice, you know, for the big event. Um, I try to push that a lot. Just go out there, relax, have fun, let it loose, you know, because if you're scared, you're not going to wrestle to your full ability. So why even act scared? You know, why even be scared? You're going to perform worse. So just getting the kids to try to believe that was a, was a big uh, goal of mine and, and a huge obstacle as well. Yeah, I mean, you nailed it with the with the Penn State guys. You know, Kale Sanderson, unfortunately, is a little bit like Bill Belichick, and you get very little out of him. But you'd almost just love to understand what's being said to those guys to get them to, to be so free, or if it's something that's almost just implied when you go there that, hey, you're wrestling the best guys here, so whatever else happens out there, I mean, more often than not, you're having better competition in the room. I don't know what it is. What, what are your thoughts on it? It's, it's such a remarkable thing that he's doing out there. I think it's a family atmosphere. I think he recruits a certain type of kid. Um, and um, that's the kid he wants in his program. I think they, they train hard, but at the same time, wrestling is not their life. I think they're also very um, <clears throat> academically driven as well because Kel was as well. You know, he, he did things mm -hmm. the right way. So he expects his kids to do things the right way. And I think over time, 
those kids become a little kill. They, 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 you know, they become him so much, you know, and they just, uh, they wrestled relaxed. They know he's not going to yell at them. They know he doesn't think wrestling's, you know, the end of the world. Um, so I think they're not afraid to wrestle for him. Yeah. I think you hit it the nail on the head with the, um, the, the type of guy he brings in, it seems like they do everything right. You know, they don't, they don't party a lot. They, they're all very religious, um, which is not something you see at all programs. And so um, I think it is, you know, he finds the right people. And I would say they love to wrestle and that just allows them to compete kind of just as free and open as you possibly could. It's really refreshing to watch um, as compared to some of those, you know, some of those programs at Iowa where it's more of like a grind match and it's not as much offense, but, and at Penn State, they're just scoring at will almost. It's crazy to watch. Right. No, I agree um, totally. They just uh, they just get after it. They leave everything on the mat. And win, win or lose, you know, um, you know, you you watched the match last, you know, last year with you know Valencia beating the Penn State kid uh, Hall, and Hall was there the next match cheering on Bo Nichols, <laughs> you know, right after he yeah. lost the NCAA title. Um, that's what yeah. that's what they've produced out there. That's who they are pretty special to watch Absolutely. it is and it, it's exciting i think it's good for wrestling too because it makes it it makes it more fun for the kids right because i'm sure when gabriel was on his run all the kids coaches thought that you had to coach like that which obviously that's probably not the best way to do it whereas now that kale's so dominant all the kids club coaches are probably trying to emulate his style which is actually have fun you know stay loose and and really enjoy the, the process more so than a grind type mentality Right, yeah, them, Penn State's success right now and Iowa's success in the 70s and 80s were exact opposites. Not saying one was better, but they're they're the exact opposite mentality-wise, you know, and approaches to the game. And then you got people like Tom Ryan, who's a phenomenal guy, great guy, great coach. He's kind of in between, you know, with his program. Mm -hmm. He's he's got a little bit of Iowa, and he's got a little bit of Penn State in him. You know, so it's it's interesting, you know, that they all three can have success. Then you got John Smith out there, too, which he's obviously, he was doing it, um, you know, after Gable, but before Tom Ryan and Kale. Where would you put him in that mix? Oh, he's one of the greatest coaches. I mean, I think he was a better athlete, personally. Um, he's had some great success. There's no doubt about that. But um, he was one of a kind as a wrestler. You know, he was one of the top three or four in the, in the of all times in the, from the United States. But uh, he started early on, I, I, you know, he coached when I wrestled and, you know, he tried to bring his mentality and his style to the kids. And, and it took him a while watching him to realize that, you know, he had to let the kids, you know, wrestle their own style, you know. And once he did that, you know, that's when they started winning, you know, titles or, or bringing home trophies all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you hear Daniel Cormier talk about that because he wrestled for, for Smith in 99. And by that point, yeah, I think John Smith became the coach in 93. He won his last gold in 92. So maybe even he was coaching at Okie State in 92. But, you know, for those early years, it was pro- – and he, and he admits that it was a big change for him to go from you know, being a competitor where it's all about you to being a coach where you have to be empathetic to others and understand, you know, everyone's motivated a little bit differently. But, you know, Cormier says when he got there in 99, there was a change. And then by the mid-2000s, obviously, they'd won it several times. And so – it's just interesting to hear you talk about that because that, that obviously played out. Um, but where do you think Coach Smith falls with the, you know, between Kale, Gable, and, and Tom Ryan? You, you, where do you see him on that spectrum? I know it's, it's kind of tough to say. Um, 
boy, he, I think he's right there with Tom Ryan. You know, I think he brings yeah. a little of both. Um, they're not, they don't have the push, 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 like, you know, the Iowa style. Um, it's more of a, it's more of a sit back and, and dance and, you know, let them come to you. And then I'm going to attack, attack, attack. So, you know, you, you, now you brought that up all four of those programs, probably the top four programs in the country, you know, over the last 20 years. And they're all different, which is very unique, you know, as a kid that's being recruited yeah. by them. Yeah. No, very different. Um, and and I'd love to go back to your career a little bit. So you went to, to UNI in the, uh, in the late 80s, early 90s, when there was actually quite a bit of change going on in college wrestling. Arizona State had just won their first title, which was the first time someone outside of Ohio, uh, Iowa or Oklahoma had won. Um, Iowa State got a win in the next year, but then Iowa got back on their horse in the in the 90s and nearly ran away with it. But what was uh, what was college wrestling like back then? What were the workouts like? What was the mentality like? Kind of give us a glimpse of what it was like in the in in, in the college days when you were back in it. Yeah, it was it was tough. We had a good team. Um, I went there because of some of the kids that I got a chance to wrestle with. You know, um, Mark Schwab, Bobby Malatesta, Dwayne Harris. I mean, those guys were all, Dwayne Martin, they were all my weight right around my weight. So I had great workout partners. Um, so I took a beating the first year or so, which was, I wasn't used to. But um, folk style really wasn't my niche. Greco was more than folk style. But um, I, st- I still had some success. I should have had more. Um, getting back to that mindset, I didn't have that mindset that I should have had. Um, knowing that now, um, but uh, it was it was a good it was a good career for me there. I uh, I learned a lot. I became you know who I am from you know the training and the, the constant battling and just the tears, the the joys, the sorrows, you know, all of that stuff. You know, getting knocked back down and having to get back up and and just uh, that's life. You know, life's gonna keep knocking you down and you got to get back up and. And I definitely learned that in those, you know, those years at Northern Iowa. I mean, and that's why I, you know, I'm, I'm hosting the podcast and why obviously all of us are so passionate about getting others involved in the sport is that it's, it's many ways a, a microcosm for life, right? Because the, the failures you experience in sports, while they seem like the end of the world at times, in the grand scheme of things, they're very uh, many times meaningless. Um, whereas when you experience a real failure or a real difficulty in real life, you know, hopefully sports gives you something to fall back on so you know how to navigate that. But, um, you know, w- w- absolutely. I kind of try to tell my kids this, you know, my own kids, my, you know, it's like it, it doesn't guarantee you anything hard work. It just puts you in a better position, you know, for success. And you can study for an ACT or an SAT 100 more hours than, than the person you're right, and that doesn't guarantee you're going to score better on that test than them. You know, um, that person might be smarter and they don't need to study, you know, but what it does is it it puts you in a position that you are better off, you know, and you're more prepared to have success. And that's all you can do in life. Exactly. And it it gets back to just controlling what you, obviously what you could control and, and living by that internal scoreboard versus the external scoreboard. And it, it hits directly on what you said earlier about Kyle Snyder, which if the listeners haven't watched that video, I'll post it in the show notes, but you know, the guy just comes off the match in an, ex- you know, loses in an extremely disappointing fashion to the outsider, right? The outsider says, Hey, you got pinned by a guy you beat last year. You would think right. that maybe you'd be pissed or you'd be throwing something. But I mean, the guy is like a model for how kids should act after a loss. He was, 
completely upbeat and to your point earlier said you know hey a wrestling match doesn't define my life it was just it was really refreshing to see that after a, after a big match like that no it was and you know and and like i said that's why he is um you know coming from ohio state you know under under ryan you know that that's why he is the way he is you know he's he's down to earth um he's making a career out of wrestling which very few people can do and you know uh, that was a financial loss too a huge financial loss you know and huge. he still you know he still doesn't it doesn't bother him i mean sure he wanted to win sure he'll probably go back to the hotel room and cry, cry a little bit he put you know he put hundreds of thousands of you know sweat and tears into that match but but he he held his composure and he knew people were watching him he knew little kids were watching him and you know and, it, and he does it the way he's supposed to do it you know very classy very much so. And uh, do you think wrestling is in a, a good a place now as it's ever been? Or, I mean, you've been around a lot longer than I have, but what's your, what's your opinion on that, Dan? I think our good wrestlers are better than they've ever been. You know, I, I, I look at it with travel sports, too. Uh, I'm not a huge travel sports person. I think it's hurting your average to below average kid. It's only helping your, you know, your excelled kids. But, uh, and I, I look that way with wrestling too. Our, our wrestlers right now are, are just phenomenal. I mean, look at, you got, you know, Burroughs, Dake and Taylor and Jaden Cox right there, four in a row. And two of them aren't going to make the Olympic team, at least two. I'm just, you know, so, yeah. you know, for those guys just to be, you know, we're one, two, three deep, you know, and, and don't, don't throw out Derringer. Don't throw out, you know, Zahid Valencia. I mean, um, incredible. Yeah. You know, how, yeah. Yeah. How deep those guys are. Um, yet they still, you know, um, you know, so I think, yeah, I think it's probably better now than it's ever been as far as our elite wrestlers. Yeah, it's interesting what you said, though, about the clubs and, um, and just obviously the single-minded focus of, of athletes now, and I think probably what you're getting at is that even 20 years ago, kids could do multiple sports throughout middle school, throughout high school, and still have a relatively high degree of success in their chosen sport. But now you're seeing even as young as sixth grade, sometimes kids are being forced into picking one sport either by their parents or by themselves. And then doing that to the exclusion of all else. Um, right. so yeah, as a former coach and, and I know you're, go ahead. And it's hurting our, uh, our, our lower level sports. I mean, you know, you got a kid in fourth or fifth grade that's playing travel baseball and the coaches are like, well, we don't make it year round. Well, like, yeah, you do. When you have open gyms in the winter and, you know, these kids feel they got to be there. Um, it, it's, it, it's busy. And the parents are constantly driving these kids around. So then when all of a sudden a kid says, hey, I want to try wrestling or I want to try golf or I want to, you know, try gymnastics. You know, the parents' first comment is probably when. When are you going to fit it in between, you know, travel baseball, travel basketball, you know, all these travel soccer when do you plan on mm -hmm. wrestling? And I think it definitely, these travel sports definitely hurts the, what I would consider the lower level sports. Definitely. Um, it's, it's a fine balance, right? Because you look at some of these really elite clubs, or I call them more like an academy where they're not tied to a school. They're a you know, standalone facility, like, like overtime school of wrestling. Um, right. Like what do you, what do you think about that? I mean, when, you know, as a, as a parent and a former coach, like, when do you think is the right time to, to let a kid wrestle like that all year round? Um, and this could be applicable to any sport, but where do you fall in that spectrum? 
you know, I think you can balance it. I, I really do. I mean, I wrestled year round for the most part, but I still played soccer. I still golfed. Um, those were kind of my breaks, you know, to give my body a chance to heal. Um, you know, when you wrestle year round or play baseball year round or basketball year round, you know, all you're doing is working that same muscle over and over and over and over. And, and there's no time for, you know, for rest and repair. So that was the beauty and what they say, you know, is the beauty of multi-sports or at least two is, you know, you're not just over killing those same muscles, you know, you're using different ones. So it, it's tough to know because, you know, if you got a kid and he's just a talent, you know, a Kyle Dake, a Taylor, you know, and you see that in seventh grade, gymnastics have been doing it for years. You know, those kids specialize mm-hmm. when they're nine years old, 10 years old and move away from mom and dad to train full time. So it's kind of tough when you see a kid that's got that talent, you know, he's got that once in a lifetime type ability, um, you know, but I think in general, your normal average athlete, you know, me, you, kids like that, yep. I think you can do both. I think you can do both. And I think it's important to do both. And I also think there's a fine line between someone wanting to do it versus someone being told to do it. I've listened to a lot of interviews with David Taylor when, he was like the guy going up to his mom and dad, like begging them to take him wrestling all, all the time. Whereas, you know, when I was coaching, I'm sure when you were coaching, it, many times it's the opposite. And it really is a sad thing because I think of all the sports, wrestling can be the most grueling on a kid whose parents are forcing them to do it. So I think that's, that's something to distinguish early on is who's the driving force behind it, you know? Right. No, absolutely. My dad did that same thing with me. He would test me a couple times and he would lie to me. He would be like, Hey, I don't really want to go up to Chicago this weekend for this tournament. Do you? And I'd be like, yeah, dad, I got to go up there. So-and-so is going to be up there. I want to wrestle him, you know? And then he'd be like, okay. (laughs) He knew all along he wanted to take me up there, but uh, you know, he wanted to make sure that I was doing it for the right reasons that I wasn't doing it for him. So you loved it and were just addicted to it at an early age like that. Absolutely. Yep. Yes, I what was. Do you, what do you think? It, what do you think it was that that you loved about the sport so much? Um, I think it was because I controlled my own destiny. You know, I wasn't on a team. I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't uh, depending. My success wasn't depending on anybody else. And, and I liked the grind. You know, I liked the fighting part of it and um, being able to train at my own level, my own hours, you know, and I didn't need to, I mean, I had, I had workout partners, don't get me wrong, but you didn't have to have a workout partner. You could shadow wrestle on your own. You could, you know, you could go out for a jog, you could lift weights, you could do all the little things that you had to do to be successful in the sport. Um, and I wasn't depending on anybody else. And, and I think that's what really steered me to enjoying the sport more than anything else. Yeah. It's, it's a liberating feeling to, to be able to do that. And, um, and work out whenever you need to. I mean, do you remember times in high school where you were getting up, you know, super early to work out and, and staying late? I mean, was that you just a, just a complete workaholic back in the day? Yeah, yeah, I was. I was. And I, and I like I said, I enjoyed that aspect of it. I mean, and I, I carried it through into my coaching, too. Um, sometimes I was a little too hard on the kids. There's no doubt about that. But <laughs> And they'll tell you that. Um but I got better as a coach, just like a wrestler, you know, it took me a while mm-hmm. to figure out how to coach like, you know, Smith and all those guys. And I got better as I went on, no doubt about it. But um, I think just in, in general, just, uh, I even forgot where I, my train of thought there. Um, 
but I think in general, just from the coaching aspect and the wrestling aspect, just, uh, just loving the sport, you know, just the fight, just loved it. Well, and before we let you go here, your coach, I just want to shift into just five quick uh, rapid fire questions, if that's okay. And then we'll, we'll let you get back to your day. Cool. Sure. No problem. First, first question is, you know, what was your, the toughest match that you can remember? Middle school, high school, international, whatever it was. Uh, the toughest match was probably a, a Pan American Games, the finals. I got beat by a Cuban. Um, probably the worst 4-0 beating I ever took in my life. It felt like it was 40 to nothing. Um, <laughs> you know, but, but, uh, but, you know, the Brands Brothers, uh, lots of matches with them, tough competitors, you know. Um, one of the best wrestlers I've ever wrestled in my life, hands down, is Mark Schwab. You know, career was cut short because of a knee injury. But, uh, you know, so those three are probably the tops. Man, I didn't, I didn't realize that Mark Schwab, that's Doug Schwab's brother, right? Yeah. Okay, okay. And he was at UNI when you were there. Was he a coach there? He was there at UNI wrestling. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay, so second question is, what was your favorite post weigh in meal? Post weigh in meal, probably Taking lasagna. Me back. <laughs> yeah, probably lasagna. Everyone says pasta. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, third question is who's, some, who's one of the more influential people you looked up to throughout your sport? Um, Todd Rosenthal was definitely one of them. Um, Bert Hanlon, Larry Duffy, Mark Johnson, um, all quad city people for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. Mark Johnson legend. Um, hope to have him on at some point. Same with, uh, Todd Rosenthal. I don't know those guys as well, but I mean, obviously just you know, Illinois legends, but, but really legends on a national level too. Uh, if you know guys from that era. Right. Um, okay, two last questions here, and this gets more to the to the theme of the podcast in the sense that you know anyone who's wrestled can agree that it changed their life. So I think the first question is, and this is from a quote that you gave back in the you know the early 2000s when you were being inducted into to one of the various Hall of Fames that you're a member to, but you said, "I am who I am because of the sport of wrestling." Like, what did you mean by that? And maybe break that down to people who haven't wrestled and, and don't understand what you're talking about. Um, it's it's kind of like I talked about a little earlier in the podcast. Um, uh, the, the lessons, me as a, an assistant principal, me as a coach, me as a, um, an athletic director right now, um, I've used every single lesson that I've learned from wrestling and I apply it to those positions. You know, you have a tough day, you know, at work or a tough day at home. Um, there's no tougher day than me getting beat by that Cuban, you know, or me having to drop 20 <laughs> pounds in, in two days. Um, so you know, so I've, I've, you know, I've had my back to the wall, you know, many a times and, and learned how to, you know, to break through that and to deal with it and to deal with stressors in life. So, you know, me as a professional now in education, um, it's because of wrestling. Yeah, it, it, it transcends really all aspects of life, you know, educators, business people, um, people in the, in the movie business, obviously, as well. So Absolutely. It's, it's, it, the stories of that are endless and um, something we hope to, to spread with this, with this, uh, the podcast we're running here. Um, and last, what, last question for you coaches, and you kind of just alluded to this, but I'd love to know what was like the most vicious weight cut or most grueling weight cut that you can remember? I, 
was not paying attention to my weight. I, uh, well, it's two things actually. One, one, I went down to 125 for the U.S. Open my, after my junior year in college and I won the U.S. Open. So I thought that was my weight. Well, the year previous in college, I wrestled 34. So the next year I decided to go down to 26 and stay there all year, my senior year, which is probably one of the bigger mistakes I made because every match, every week was a battle with weight. And, and, and that was my goal, you know, is to make weight, not to train. So probably one of my biggest disappointments. But um, that or Pan Am Games, I was 25 over with about three days left. No, no, big drop. Stop it. no way. 25? Yeah, yeah you, that was I mean, a big drop, especially out at Colorado Springs. Yeah, especially out of Colorado oh Springs, with the, you know, altitude. It wasn't, it wasn't fun. So what, so what was it every week in college? Like you'd come in Monday morning for practice for you, like 10 over or more like 20 over? Uh, f- yeah, 15, 16, right around there. That is a grind. And that, that's the one thing that people say, you know, about wrestling. That it, it gets a bad rap because of that. So I'm curious to see what wrestling and what, like, UFC and some of those organizations do to curb weight cutting. Because there's no question, it, it's a total bummer. It just really dampens the, the love people have for the sport you know no it does absolutely you know and and like i said that was my main competition was the scale and and, and you're not going to be successful on an international or national level when that's the case and and they have gotten a lot better with it i think the kids um uh, it's more of a science now to them the dieting and the nutrition so i think um they're doing a great job with it I hope to I hope to follow a little bit more closely and getting back in involved with coaching this year. So I'm curious to see what happens. But but yeah, I mean to your point, I can't tell you how many guys that I know who said my goal is just to make weight. Like forget about getting better or like forget about like improving a technique. It was just about wearing as much sweats as possible and it just makes it miserable, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. But well worth it. Lessons learned. Yeah, well worth it. And that's where you get that <laughs> mental toughness too. So, well, Coach, yep, absolutely. I, uh, I really appreciate you, you coming on. I think just to, to close out here, I always ask people this. Um, you know, if, if some random person came up to you in the supermarket or, or wherever and they say, hey, I'm thinking about letting my kid wrestle, you know, wh- why, would you, why would you encourage me to let them wrestle? Like, what would you say maybe a sentence or two? I'd say, you know, the, the best decision you'll ever make, you know, it uh, – it, uh, we, you have to learn how to take losses and win with dignity and, you know, and uh, you have to, uh, you're going to be as good, only as good as you want to be, you know, and it's up to you. No one's holding, you know, no one can help hold you down. If you want to be good, you can be good. Um, and I think that's something that kids will learn and take with them the rest of their lives. Absolutely. Well, coach, thanks again for coming on. And uh, you know, we look forward to, to getting this out to the masses. I appreciate it. Thank you. That's the end of this episode, but definitely not the end of the show. For more episodes, please go to wrestlingchangemylife.org. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Give us a star rating. Show the love, baby. Show the love. Thank you so much. We'll see you again soon. Peace.